magic lamp. Wonder what happens when I rub it. You have awakened me. I shall grant you three wishes. My first wish is for economic development. My second wish is to save hours of travel time. And my third wish is to create safer roads. You could have just wished for bus rapid transit and gotten all these things with one wish. Make all your transit wishes come true. Learn more about bus rapid transit at indigo.net slash bus dash rapid dash transit. Good morning. It is Wednesday, May 17th. It is six minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So let's start off today with John Fetterman. He was raising some eyebrows with his choppy opening statement in the Senate. It was quite frightening, actually. It was part of the Senate Baking Committee hearing, and he was the last senator to dive into questioning, and I use the word dive loosely. Okay, in you know how in Little League there's always, and it's Little League, so it doesn't matter, but there's always one kid that is a little bit behind all of the other kids in terms of ability, and you often see that kid stuck out in right field, and the entire game, the coach <laughs> just closes his eyes and goes, Please don't hit it to right field. Please don't hit it to right field. Please don't hit it to right field. And he tells Jimmy, who's the center fielder, dude, you got to just play right center field because if that ball is hit to Louie out in right field, Louie can't catch it. Louie can't throw it. And so Louie is just stuck out there in right field with a collective just hope of the team and the parents that the ball's not hit to Louie. <laughs> that is who... Fetterman is like he's a necessary vote for the Democrats to be able to continue to push their agenda through because of the divided Senate. Yet it's a weird thing where in this game, the ball is hit to Louie every game because he has to speak. Mm-hmm. It's it's sad, actually. Oh, it's awful. I mean, this guy should not be there. He should be at home. He should be recuperating. He should be taking time off. And instead, it's embarrassing. Oh, it is. It's awful for the country. And it's it's an embarrassment for him. It's an embarrassment for our government. I mean, this guy, this guy has no business unsupervised out in society. I mean, seriously, like you, he should not be like if if, if let's say let's pretend you were not a U.S. senator. And he were your relative, your uncle, your brother, your whatever. Would you feel comfortable unleashing that guy in a major metropolitan city and have any confidence he would return to you in in, in one piece? Yeah, no, this is like if this were your uncle, you would be calling your aunt. How is he? How are you doing? Are you guys okay? Can I do anything to help? Yeah, so let's play this. This is a little montage of yesterday. Now, look, we did, we have in no way edited this clip. We're not doctoring his words, but it is a, a montage of multiple statements this guy attempted to make yesterday, and it is horrific. Now they have it's in the guaranteed a guaranteed way to be saved by no again by no matter no matter by, by how. You know, so it's it's you know, isn't it appropriate that the those kinds of the, this kind of control should be more stricter, or should we just go on and start bailing and sailing whoever bank, regardless of how how there's their conduct is? Shouldn't you have a working requirement after we sail your bank with billions of your bank? Because they seem to be more pre- preoccupied uh, when than snap. Uh, and uh, requirements for works for hungry people, but not about pr- protecting the, the, ta- the tax papers, you know, that will bail no matter whatever does about a bank to crash it. 
struggling for words. He said at one point tax papers when he meant taxpayers. Somebody put in the YouTube chat, and they're absolutely right, there's a character on The Simpsons who is the police chief's son. His name is Ralph Wiggum. And like he will call the superintendent Super Nintendo Chalmers. <laughs> that is that person, downtown Indy, gold star for you. And he's, a, but the difference is John Fetterman is not only a real life person. He's not a parody. He's one of the most, 100 most powerful people in the entire country. Yeah. And if you're this uh, Silicon Bank, the former CEO, Gregory Becker is his name. That's who he's asking. How do you respond to that? You're sitting there in front of the Senate hearing, right? And this guy is trying to ask you questions. Yeah, I mean, like, you, are you just shaking your head? Like, well, it is such a conundrum. Where is the question? It is such a conundrum, right? Because on one hand, there is this man who is clearly suffering from immense mental disabilities now who knows whether it was the stroke that brought him on if he had him before the thing on the back of his neck who knows so on one hand you have sympathy for this guy who is going through this but on the other hand far before he suffered a stroke or had these mental incapacitations he was a radical left-wing lunatic who hated this country and wants to see it burned to the ground and, and rebuilt in some bizarro, warped Marxist image. So if I'm that banking guy, while you're sympathetic to this dude, I pull, pull a uh, Billy Madison on him and go, today, Junior, because you are trying to destroy society. I, if I were these guys that have to testify in front of this committee, I wouldn't spare him at all because we all know the people who are propping him up and what they want to do to this country. So yes, while you have sympathy for him, he still is cognizant enough to, I mean, dress himself, appear in public. He knows he's a U.S. I assume he knows he's a U.S. senator. It's just like Biden. It's exactly like Biden, where people go, oh, this poor man, elder abuse, bull. He knew what he was doing when he was running. He's still out forming occasionally coherent sentences. He clearly knows he's the president of the United States. So I don't have any sympathy for these people on the standpoint of they want to destroy our way of life. Mm -hmm. John Fetterman is a yes vote for far left, left radicalism. Does he even know what he's voting for? He's just being told. It's no different than Biden. It's basically the same guy at this point, only Biden, and this sounds weird, Biden is more coherent in his articulation of his thoughts. And this is where it, we've got to stop and look at this country for a second. Because is, was Dr. Oz a complete and total turd? Yes. <laughs> was Oz a carpet-bagging zero? Yes. But what reasonable person, because this stuff has been happening with Fetterman. Mm -hmm. I mean, remember the debate? Mm -hmm. Hi, good night, everybody. Yes. Uh, Hi, good night, everybody has now been re replaced with the phrase bailing and sailing. <laughs> uh, there was a bailing and sailing in there. And what do you call them? Uh, the word you were uh, tax papers ta tax pa I mean it is it's like a like a it's like some bad sitcom character uh, but yet he's real mm -hmm. and he's going to do real damage to our society and and the people who testify in front of these committees should absolutely not sit there and be respectful to this they should absolutely point out what this guy is and let him have it yeah, this isn't a, a non-issue either they're talking about one of the largest bank failures in American history right and hey at least he dressed up for the event instead of his hoodie he actually pulled it together and wore a, a jacket and a tie but but again i come back to this 
This guy's a U.S. senator, Casey. Mm-hmm. Yes. The, 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 and if you want to see how horrific this mass mail-in unaccountable balloting is, Pennsylvania is now ground zero for mail everyone a ballot, and you have no idea who gets it or where it comes back. This dude started with like a, and he won the election because he started with like a 300,000 vote lead. I mean, it was some huge number on Dr. Oz heading into election night because what the Democrats said is, oh, the ballots are going to be mailed out. Well, hot dang, mm-hmm. let's let's hop right on that. There's no way you're going to convince me that a guy who on multiple occasions was struggling to form even remotely coherent sentences, the people of Pennsylvania as a collective, the people who know what's going on, the people who are actually legally voting, or the people who are filling out the ballots with their name on it, are going, yeah, sign me up for a bunch of that. What do you think that his staff does after a performance like this? Like the meeting after the meeting. Do you think he looks at his staff and, and tries to ask him, hey, how did I do? And they look him right in the eye. Oh, you did great, sir. That was amazing. I'm not sure he's capable of asking. I mean, look, look, as someone who had a family member who passed away with dementia, Mm -hmm. okay? So I'm speaking from experience. And again, I'm torn on this because on one hand, I am incredibly sympathetic to the mental incapacitation this guy is experiencing. And so... That part of me as a Christian, as a, as a fellow American, I look at this and say, oh my gosh, this poor human being. However, then I have to remove myself from what I'm seeing and recognize the damage he's doing because he is voting on things. Yeah. He is voting th- on things that affect us. And he would absolutely vote to burn this country to the ground and build it up in the bizarro Marxist image that he has long held long before he had any of these mental incapacitations. And that is what the American people have to put first, that that is who this guy is. It's almost like he's wearing a a mask of sympathy. You have to remove the mask of sympathy and realize what he is and who he represents. It's 60 minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Trending this morning, Representative Lauren Boebert. She has uh, announced that she's filed for divorce from her husband, Jason, after 18 years. She said, I've always been faithful in my marriage. I believe strongly in marriage, which makes this announcement that much more difficult. The couple were married in 2005 and they share four boys together. Also trending this morning, Denny's. Yes, the restaurant is bringing back its iconic Super Slam. This is a big $10 meal. It's hailed as America's biggest breakfast. It contains a whopping 1,950 calories. I, w- I want to see you eat this. We're going to film it and put it on Instagram. I, I want to see you... Uh... I want to see you eat this. Yes, absolutely. I totally would eat it. It includes pancakes, eggs, bacon strips, sausage links, and hash browns. And that would be the only meal that I would have that entire day.
Also trending, Post Malone. He's returning to Indy for a concert. He's bringing the If Y'all Weren't Here, I'd Be Crying tour to Noblesville on July 8th. It's ahead of the release of his fifth album. Wait, what's it called? If Y'all Weren't Here, I'd Be Crying tour. Oh. Yeah, the show is going to be at Ruoff Music Center. It's going to be the first show of the tour. Hey, Indy is the first stop on his tour. Congratulations. You know, when you think of great tours throughout history, I mean, you know, you've got uh, what you've got the Thriller tour. You've got Born in the USA. You've got uh, Rolling Stones' Exile on Main. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got uh, the Beatles' rooftop performance, while not an actual tour. And and now, now, you, now you've got, what is this? If y'all weren't here, I'd be, I'd crying, be crying in my beer. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. Post Malone. Tickets go on sale uh, today. No, actually, yes. May 19th. Okay. T- tickets go on sale. We should get, try to get him on this show. And I want to ask him about his thoughts on the debt ceiling. I think that would be an absolutely just riveting conversation. You think he'll have an opinion on that? I think Mr. Malone probably has a level of intellect that would just blow every one of our listeners just completely out of their chairs. I did see him at uh, Lollapalooza in Chicago a few years back, and it was packed. He's got a lot of fans. There were a lot of people there, and and it was one of those situations where you could feel the whole place jumping. Well, a lot of people went to the Millie Vanilli shows, too. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you want to talk about Elon Musk? He did an exclusive interview with CNBC. This was after the Tesla annual meeting, and he was asked a lot of questions. He spent a good amount of time with the CNBC people, and we're going to share some clips throughout the morning of of the questions and the answers. But the first one, he was asking about his tweets. Yeah, and so obviously Elon Musk has lost uh, a great deal of wealth on paper since acquiring Twitter. Tesla stock down. Twitter hasn't exactly turned into a ability to bankroll the losses from Tesla and I mean he's in the tune of you know tens if not you know hundreds of billions of dollars in in loss in a large part because he has allowed conservatives to exist and liberty-minded people to exist and he certainly spoke his own mind and well he told uh, CNBC he don't care if he loses money he's here to tell the truth you know I'm reminded of uh the scene in The Princess Bride. Great movie. Great movie. Um, where he confronts the person who killed his father. And he says, Offer me money. Offer me power. I don't care. So you just don't care? You want to share what you have to say? I'll say what I want to say. And if, 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 uh, the consequence of that is losing money, so be it. You know I like you, that. You know what you call that. I like that. Yeah. He's in the position where he can say what he wants without fear of financial ruin. He don't care. Yeah, and I, I feel a little, uh, you know, you know, kinship with Elon Musk because, well, I have no money, and I don't care about having no money, so he doesn't care if he has infinite money. Mm-hmm. I don't care if I have no money. It was interesting during this interview because the reporter asked him, you know, are, are you worried about losing money in Tesla because of your tweets? And there was about a 13-second pause where he just sat there and you could see the wheels spinning in his head before he answered. And he came up with, I don't care. 
Uh, very quickly, he was also asked if he regretted voting for Joe Biden. And he said, Casey, what we have said on this show for a very long time, many people are just looking for someone normal to run this country. And you voted for him. I did, actually. Do you regret that? I mean, man, I... I wish we could have just a normal human being as president. That's what I want. I think if if if, if we could, you know, there's that that old saying of like, we're better we're better off being run by um, uh, by people picked at random from the phone book than the faculty of Harvard. Yeah. I don't know who said that, but someone very wise. Um, and and I, I I would I would say if we could do that for the president. That, that would you be think great. That would be I just official. So you're not obviously you're not happy with Biden. Don't we all just want a normal human being? To be whatever the that means. Whatever. No, I'm not even sure anymore what normal means. No, but I mean like you know just I don't know just a. You want somebody who's competent. That's they, helpful. Yes, I, I think uh, de- definitely um, somebody's executive ability is underrated since the president is effectively the chief executive officer of the country. Um, it, it actually matters if they are a good e- executive officer. Yeah. It's, it's not simply a matter of do they share your beliefs and, the, you know, um, but, but are they good at, at getting things done? There's a lot of decisions that need to be made every day. Um, many of them are unrelated to uh, moral beliefs, um, you know. Right. And, um, and you just want a good executive because <laughs> they're, they're CEO of America. They are. They so are. We want a good CEO of America. Are they good at getting things done? Brilliant. All right, Casey, when we come back, I have some very shocking news for you. This is totally going to just blow you away. Are you ready? Yeah. It turns out that because lockdown McGee shut down our state, in 2020, yeah, and the Republicans did nothing to stop him. It turns out the students mm-hmm. suffered in their learning. <laughs> what? What? No. All right, we're going to break it down across the state coming up. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC at 9:34. So a new study came out and found out that Indiana students lost nearly six months of learning in math and over four months of learning in reading. And this was a result of the COVID-19 pandemic shutdown. What? What are you even saying, Casey? Yeah, I'm saying what? You shut schools down and kids stopped learning. (laughs) Are you surprised? Boy, who didn't see that coming? This was a study from Harvard and Stanford universities. They did it across the entire country, but we're going to focus on Indiana. Well, what we have here is a quote. Well, what we have here, Casey, <laughs> is a colossal failure of mm-hmm. leadership across the board. And what I'm talking about is from the basically two weeks into this thing, everybody knew. I mean, the data was rolling in and the data really never changed in terms of, look, if you're an elderly person or you're a person with certain comorbidities, hey, this thing might be a little bit risky for you. And you probably better take it easy, grandma and grandpa, and 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 just you know just step back for a few months. But if you're an able-bodied younger person of especially school-aged children, this thing is of almost zero threat to you if you do get it. And yet, because our society is run by morons and run by power-hungry people 
who took great joy and satisfaction in being able to tell you what to do and knew that you would comply with it out of fear of losing your life, a la Lockdown McGee back here, the governor of the state of Indiana, and his advisor-in-chief, Dr. Box Gynecologist, uh, they destroyed society and they crippled these kids ability to learn and now three years later we're all there they are those families are all paying for it yeah and all of these students are far behind where they should be so the analysis found out that indianapolis public school students they experienced eight months of math loss and five months of reading loss and it's interesting because it varies on school district the smaller school districts were hit harder and those students are even farther behind. Carmel students, they're about three months behind in math and four months behind in reading. But then you look at in Monroe County, they experienced a full year of math loss. And I think it largely depended on a school's ability to have Mm e-learning. You know, certain schools had experience with that. But the e-learning was a joke. I mean, how many parents of you, I'm sure you are like me, well, your daughter was in high school at the Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole thing was just a joke. I mean, and it's not, I'm not even necessarily blaming the teachers, right? I'm blaming the administrators. I'm blaming the health departments. I'm certainly blaming the governor. And most importantly, I am blaming the the Indiana Republican Party because they had super majorities in the House and Senate and they just sat there and have sat there for three years and went oh this is fine nobody did anything common since we had the data two weeks in we had the data from day one because we know what viruses do and we know what they are but let's give it two weeks because right we're all in this together right two weeks to flatten the flatten curve the Casey curve. yeah so after two weeks And that data basically never changed throughout the whole process, which is old people, the people with the comorbidities. Okay, there is maybe some risk here, and maybe you should do A, B, and C, but people like me in their 30s and people like you a little bit further ahead than your 30s (laughs) and certainly children Mm -hmm. could come to work every day and you're going to get it if you're going to get it. It doesn't matter whether you lock yourself indoors or wear a mask or whatever. It's just wholly ridiculous. And yet, just like with the thing with Trump and the Russia collusion hoax, it's the same thing. Nobody ever gets held accountable for anything. What happened to Eric Holcomb? He got reelected. Yeah. What happened to Dr. Box? She sails off into the sunset with awards from from Wabash. Worked until she's ready to retire. Nobody ever gets held accountable. And for that, we are to blame. Whether it is John Fetterman or the Biden administration or Eric Holcomb or the state of Indiana, we have to look in the mirror. It's easy for us to come on here and say, well, those rascals down at the state house, those power-hungry, greedy individuals, well, we put them there. I mean, I didn't, but society put them there right and 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 if you if you are you know how we do this here casey sometimes we say things other shows won't say because well we just don't care and i believe our audience is mature and adult enough to hear the truth and you know self-reflection is good for all of us if you voted for eric holcomb's re-election or if you have voted for any of these incumbent republicans the past two years three years now you're getting what you deserve This is who they've always been. Well, the big loser in all of this are the students. 
Because this article, which is at Indiana Capital Chronicle, they break it out how much these students will lose in their lifetime based on the lockdown. And I'll give you a couple examples. In Carmel, they're saying that the average student will lose nearly $7,500 in their life, an income, because they're farther behind than where they should be. In Indianapolis, $20,000 of income. South Bend Community Schools, boy, they got hit hard. $31,000. Because they didn't let those kids go to school, those children are, in their lifetime, going to lose out on $31,000 because they're that much farther behind than where they should be. There's only one group of people who did not suffer during covid And that is the governments. And look at what has happened. If you want to know what COVID was, look at who prospered during COVID. The governments have record budgets. How is that possible, Casey, that you could shut down society, dilute the earning capacity of millions of people, well over a million people in this state, and yet the state and local governments in Indiana now have more revenue than they ever had before? The answer is the federal government became the sugar daddy and everybody else other than the rich and powerful and the connected. And we continue to see this in the income gap divide in this country, got rich and got wealthy. Look at how much money is in Hamilton County, thirty six and a half million dollars for a G League team to play basketball. Look at what, the, and no offense to the, the, the fuel, the Indy fuel. I'm sure they're a fine organization and they probably do a lot of nice things for the community. Fishers build a hockey team, a professional stadium. Tens of millions of dollars going to some stadium to be put on the campus at IUPUI. How is it possible that with society shutting down, mm-hmm. that Indiana, the state of Indiana, a record $44 billion budget. How is it possible that all of this money went out of the economy and yet the revenue to the governments has grown at record levels never before seen? Well, you said it, federal sugar daddy. And guess who's paying for all of it now? We are. All of us with that printed money. It's called inflation. If you're interested to see, they did put an interactive map with this article, which I thought was really interesting. And it is nationwide. And green is districts that had a little loss. Yellow is districts that had a moderate amount of loss. And then red is school districts that had dramatic learning losses. The state of Indiana, all yellow and red. All right. When we come back, Ron DeSantis has spoke out. Mm -hmm. I was going to say speaked out, but that's Fetterman grammar right there. That doesn't (laughs) work. Ron DeSantis has spoke out on uh, Daniel Penny. Penny. Yes. That guy in New York, the Marine, was defending people on the subway. He's now being charged with, what was it, second degree murder? Is that what it is? Uh, Anyway, so DeSantis speaking out on that. We've got Riley Gaines testifying in Congress. She's speaking out as well. About having to change in front of dudes. Mm -hmm. A lot lot of great audio on the way. It's coming up with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Rob, I've got a number for you. Yes. 35. Ooh. Do you like it? That's my favorite number. How would you like to get a 35% bonus when you invest your money? If you invest $100,000, you get a $35,000 bonus. And if you invest $200,000, you get a $70,000 bonus. And if this sounds too good to be true, it's not. And this special offer gets even better. You'll also sleep well knowing your money is backed by an A-plus insurance company. 
that's been in business for 140 years and has two and a half trillion in assets. Learn more by calling Bill Demery, your retirement guy, right here in Indy at 317-932-9912. And if you know anything about Rob, you know he doesn't seem to like a whole lot of people. But I really, really do like Bill Demery. He's very pleasant. Mm Mm-hmm. Learn how you can get a 35% bonus by calling 317-932-9912. That number, 317-932-9912. It's Bill Demery. Call him today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. There is... It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, and Ron DeSantis was speaking at a bill signing ceremony that was held at a coastal community church in Florida. And during that ceremony, he was asked about Daniel Penny, and he threw his uh, endorsement, his support behind Daniel Penny. He said that he hopes all of the charges against him are dropped. Penny's facing 15 years in prison if convicted of second-degree manslaughter. So it is interesting that a major, well, assumed major, major candidate for president of the United States would weigh into this. But I think it really does give you an insight into the backbone that a Ron DeSantis has and his willingness to stand up for what's right, even if it's oftentimes not necessarily there's not some great political reward for for doing so although in the case of this daniel penny i'm actually surprised more people haven't given the fact that this guy was not a law enforcement officer you know it's not chauvin you know with george floyd this guy is a is a by all accounts a stand-up member of the military a stand-up member of society had served his country it's clear this guy was that he neely the guy that he ended up choking out was a a danger to society there's video of it the guy's clearly still fighting with him to the point where there's another person who's attempting to restrain his, his his arms and so from a purely political standpoint, which can't talk about a guy running for president and not insert the politics into it. I'm not sure there is a downside for coming behind this guy, especially in a Republican primary. Yeah, Neely, the guy who was subdued, he was acting erratic. He actually had a warrant out for his arrest at the time that Daniel Penny was trying to subdue him. And the worst part about this was Daniel Penny was acting to protect the other passengers that he was surrounded by right and this guy is now being charged with second degree manslaughter so what does that say that that's like encouraging people not to be good well, yeah. It's, it's, Don't be a good Samaritan because you're just going to bite you in the backside. Oh, it's not encouraging. It's a direct message. Yeah. If, if you live in these liberal places, you either need to get out or expect this could happen to you because this guy is, by all accounts, a hero. He saved people who were in danger. He spent his entire life serving his country and his fellow citizens. And look at what it has gotten him in the process. Now, here's a little bit of audio of DeSantis talking about Daniel Penny. Well, look, as a vet, uh, vets look out for other vets. And uh, what we can't have in our society is inmates running the asylum. And what you saw on the subway was you saw a guy that was very dangerous, 
He was putting people in harm's way. Uh, he was boasting that he may do harm. And uh, I think to be able to step in as a good Samaritan and protect people, uh, I think that that's something that uh, was the right thing to do. And I don't think he should be prosecuted. Um, I think you have a prosecutor there that sides with the criminal element over law-abiding citizens. And when people have the, the temerity to fight back against the criminal element, he goes after them. And so hopefully with him raising all this money, he's going to be able to beat this case. I hope the charges are dropped. But if they're not, I think he's going to be able to win in the end. So he said raising all this money. So Daniel Penny's raised so far $2 million. Kid Rock donated $5,000 to the fund. Vivek Ramaswamy donated $10,000. It's not known. DeSantis's name is not on the list of donors, but clearly he's speaking out in his defense. And it's just to the point you got to defeat these Soros-funded DAs. They're just, and, and stop this left pro-criminal agenda that's going on. And it, especially in in these blue cities. We, we got to take back our, our great American cities. I want to make sure we have time to get to this because this testimony is horrific. And if you want to hear how insane the left is for advocating for something like this, I think this audio here from Riley Gaines is mm. something we should certainly get into. So she testified in front of Congress yesterday. And this audio is a little longer than what we normally play, but it is totally worth it because she goes into great detail about how she was forced and her teammates were forced to change in locker rooms in front of and around men who had all the parts Mm -hmm. still fully intact. And when they went to adults, people in positions of authority and said, hey, we're not comfortable with this, they basically got told to eat it and kick rocks. A six foot four, he's actually taller than six foot one, a six foot four male walks in, disrobes and is fully intact with male genitalia while we're simultaneously undressing as 18 to 22 year old girls and we could do nothing about it. I actually immediately left the locker room and I went up to one of the officials on the pool deck and I said, how is this allowed to happen? Uh, you know, I understand the guidelines for the competition, but what are the guidelines in, in regards to the locker room? And he looks at me and word for word says, oh, we actually got around this by making the locker rooms unisex. So it's not a big deal. And I thought about that and unisex. So this meant that any man could have walked into our locker room, not just a self-identifying female, any man, any coach, any parent, any official, any man who wanted to would have had full access to and bare minimum. We weren't forewarned. And actually, Leah Thomas's teammates who dealt with this every single day all year, when they expressed their discomfort to their administration and they sent an email, um, and I swear I have a screenshot of their response, their administration responded back with, if you feel uncomfortable seeing male genitalia, here's some counseling resources that you should seek. And that's the general consensus of what's happening around the country, which is why I felt it necessary to get in front of colleges and speak. Um, I think it's so important to engage people my age, 22 years old, to understand what's happening because that's not what you're hearing in the media. They turned it around and made the female athletes the problem. That is such a huge form of manipulation. Why is why doesn't the NCAA do something about this? No, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, it's horrific, isn't it? I mean, how do you feel about that as a woman? Well, you know, more than anything, I as I was listening to her last night, getting ready for the show today, I was thinking she's the same age as my daughter, who is an athlete since she was five years old, and had that happened to my daughter. 
even after putting in 15 years into a sport, I would have said, oh, no, we're done here. Right. Walk away. And why why does Riley Gaines and the female athletes, why do they have to give up their years of practice because of this? Yeah, I mean. I mean, it's abusing these girls. Now, Kevin would never do this, of course. But, you know, there's a gym down in the bottom of our building that anybody can use and mm-hmm. exercise equipment, et cetera. Imagine if Kevin, because, well, you know, Kevin's the most likely of anybody here to do this, would just <laughs> walk in to the women's locker room right. while other women are in there and just start disrobing himself. And then if I were to go report that to our bosses and they said, oh, no, this is your problem. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? I mean, you there. the girls are being criticized for pointing out that an intact male is standing right in front of them. It shouldn't be that way. They're being told that they're the problem. Casey. No, you're... sorry. They're not the problem. It's the dude who's naked is the problem. Casey, here's some counseling resources if, yeah. you're, if you're upset by seeing Kevin's genitalia in the women's locker room. <laughs> It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning.